0: On today's episode, follow a young star's dangerous rise to stardom. What's up, Erin? So it's fall. I mean, officially fall. It's November. And I was just wondering if if you've done any Black Friday shopping yet. I love, love, love that they're doing everything kind of spread out more this year. And they're doing sales early. I think it's awesome. I
1: have not done any. Really? But
0: you are a pre-planner,
1: planner, (laughs) planner, -planner. (laughs) pre-pre-planner. And I say that because Erin, one thing to know about her, she buys all her birthday presents and Christmas presents like years in
0: advance. Okay, not plural, generally a year in advance. Oh my gosh, but, but not even the years fact that it's a year in advance is insane because I buy the present like the day before. Yeah, but then I'm running around panicked trying to find something the day before. I know I aspire to be more like you. So organized and well thought out. Well, I still have a couple more things to get, but I've actually hit up some pretty good sales and you should check it out. They, they have done an awesome job this year accommodating all you of this do. pandemic yeah, I'm stuff. I'm not going to lie though. I think it's
1: awesome... Because I think Walmart, Target, a yeah. lot of the bigger places aren't doing Black Friday, like on the Thursday. Kind of yeah, like, and
0: it's just nice that it's ahead and they're kind of spread out so you can watch for different deals. So, yeah, I would encourage I everyone love, to go check it out. Except for
1: the fact that Tanner's, like, thinks our TV is trash. I can't tell the Wait, difference. What? He thinks it's bad quality. And I'm like, honestly... I feel like it's fine. But then, of course, Walmart on Black Friday for their Black Friday stuff was like, okay, here's a TV for like $200 or $140, whatever. He's like, Lucy, listen to me. I said, Tanner, we need food. Just kidding. We're not that for cash. I I I just
0: love like newlywed problems i really do
1: he's just a super into techie stuff and i just uh, i need i i have to tell myself like okay get on his level sometimes because he obviously cares a lot about like he's he can tell you a million facts on anything but also thank computers or he's tvs into techie that.
0: stuff or oh. we would not have gotten this podcast set up let's be real about that's that. true tanner you are a blessing <laughs> We appreciate you. I just don't want to buy a new TV. That's all I'm saying right now. Well, speaking of new TVs, we're actually going to be talking about a lot of TV related stuff today in our episode. So we're going to jump right in. Today, our story focuses on a beautiful young woman and her name is Rebecca Schaefer. So Rebecca was born in 1967 and she was an only child and her parents just doted on her. And I can kind of relate to that. I only have one child right now. and. (laughs) <laughs> me and my husband got in this big discussion because he was like, we really need to go to the store and come back without buying him things. Or he's just going <laughs> to think he gets something all the time. It's impossible. He's too cute. I know. Right. He just bats those yeah, little baby eyes. I and know. It's
1: like, and says, mom, mom, I know. Oh my gosh. But he
0: knows that's the problem. He knows he's cute. But Hudson then, can take all my money. Literally really the next day, Justin came home from the grocery store oh, shoot. with like a truck for him. And I'm like, Um, didn't we just have this discussion? So that didn't apply
1: to me, (laughs) only to you.
0: (laughs) And I'm like, you didn't even have him with you, like begging for something. So I totally understand Rebecca's parents need to just dote on her. Yeah, so that's how it seemed with Rebecca and her parents. Her dad was constantly telling her she could be capable of anything. And he was constantly just reassuring her that she could do anything and how great she was. So because of all of this attention, and I think just her overall nature, she became a major overachiever. She grew up with a fairly normal childhood, but during her junior year of high school, she had the opportunity to model. Ooh, yeah. I
1: can't relate. <laughs> I know. I can't
0: either. <laughs> so this step launched the rest of her career. She began appearing in department store catalogs and even commercials. So Lucy, do you even know what department store catalogs are? Of I don't know. Of course I do. Okay. Not once now. No. I'm talking like the two Back inch in dick. Girl, yes. girl, girl, girl. Okay.
1: Yo, especially speaking of Black Friday, that's hilarious because I feel like a lot of places would mail theirs out right before Christmas mm-hmm. time, before for Black Friday stuff and that's when me and my brother would like look through and be like yo mom we want this and this and this because some of them would send toy catalogs and stuff also my grandma had all the ones to like Macy's and a lot of those places yeah
0: that's what I was thinking of like ZCMI Sears where you'd buy your bedding sets from <laughs> like yeah you it was go through like and pick out they, your would comforter. Have bidding, they would have clothing they were just these huge catalogs they and were so, fun I actually
1: kind of yeah I mean I'm glad we're all saving paper now really but I kind of miss those they're fun
0: yeah I mean okay good i I was worried that would really do you always me, make your little comments that you think uh, I'm a child <laughs>
1: well you are I'm 25 <laughs>
0: So that's what started her career. She began modeling for those department store catalogs, and then her modeling career just really started to take off. So at the age of 16, Rebecca's parents let her move to New York on her own to pursue modeling, which that i was wait shocked. at how old 16 Dang. i know i was very impressed that she was i mean but that goes back to her go-getter nature i think she was not afraid to just take the world by storm i would be terrified to move even also, to another city m- my parents would not
1: let me move by myself agreed
0: Yeah. I'm not
1: bagging on her parents. They probably just thought she was really
0: capable. But to your credit, they actually talked about being nervous about her moving to New York. Like in a Registered Guard newspaper, her parents talked about being concerned about her being in New York on her own. And they said that on Rebecca's very first day there, she was walking down the street and this random guy that she didn't know just reached over and tried to fondle her. And Rebecca punched him in the face. Oh,
1: good. (laughs) Awesome. So
0: I think that shows... What year was this in? Because that's amazing. yeah, this was... She was born in 1967, so... Cool. Good for her. <laughs> Go get her. Yeah, I think that shows to both sides of the scenario. I think it shows her parents were a little nervous about her going, but it also shows maybe why they would feel okay with her going, because obviously... she can't handle She can't handle yeah. herself. So... Her success seemed to continue steadily climbing. She began to get more and more parts in TV and everything. Um, She appeared on a show called Guiding Light, as well as a show called One Life to Live. But at the end of that year, she decided she wanted to focus more on modeling than on the acting side of her career. So she decided to pursue that, but she struggled to really get into the modeling side of things because she was only 5'7", which was considered too short for high mo- high fashion modeling. Interesting. How tall are you? I'm 5'3". <laughs> oh, oh, you're smaller than I thought. Oh, I You carry yourself, like I would have guessed you were like 5'6".
1: No, I just so. wear boots with heels a lot. That's pretty much it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm 5'11". And from this so side of things... you could have
1: done the modeling. If I Aaron. had a different face. Oh, stop it.
0: <laughs> so from this side of things, I will tell you 5'7 is probably the epitome of perfect height. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. On yes. both ends of the spectrum here. So... Anyways, she was really struggling getting into it because they said that she was too short. And shout out to all of my America's Next Top Model fans. You'll probably know the difference between like a department model versus a high fashion model. Um, so she was really trying to get into high fashion modeling. So in the following year, which was 1985, she decided to move to Japan because she was hoping she could break into the high fashion modeling industry without the same height restrictions that she had faced here in New York. Makes sense. Okay. So she ended up unfortunately facing the same problems there and she was unable to successfully launch her fashion model career. Sad. So I know. And we're we're just gonna take a second. Lucy, I sent you a picture of Rebecca. Will you just take a look at it and just
1: Also I just describe describe to say her? she is a go getter because so New York and now Japan all over I the place. Know. And she's a
0: baby. I know. I am so impressed by her. But take a look at her. I mean, I definitely think she could be a model, but I want you to describe her first.
1: She's beautiful. She looks like another actress to me. And I can't remember her she name. She looks
0: like Kristen Stewart to me. Oh my gosh. She totally does.
1: She does. She huh? totally looks like she's a mix of Kristen Stewart and also the lady that plays Bellatrix Lestrange in Harry Potter, but a very toned down oh, version it's of like- Bellatrix Lestrange
0: yeah that awesome
1: lady that i just forgot yeah. her name she's a mixture of both of them but if you know both of them both of those women have very nice facial bone structure and high mm-hmm. cheekbones and she's got this like curly as a curly hair person That's what i, was gonna say. She I has love her hair, hair. she yeah. has
0: this brown just beautiful and when i say messy it's like beautifully messy it just falls perfectly but she has this brown curly hair yeah, it looks and like it has to I'm be so natural jealous. don't you think oh for sure yeah yeah she's yeah she's beautiful Okay, so you're kind of picking out a lot of the same things I did. She has these really strong brown eyes. And I think that's what reminds me of Kristen Stewart. She has these really piercing brown eyes. Yeah, she's got like princess eyes. They're pretty big. And then she has this very like beautiful jawline, pointed chin. So I think you can agree in looking at that picture, she was beautiful. I can definitely see why she was pursuing a modeling career. So after the whole mess in Japan and not being able to get into the modeling career like she had wanted, she decided to give acting another shot. So in 1986, she ended up scoring a small role on a show called Radio Days. She was really excited about it. But unfortunately, after they did editing, the majority of her performance had been taken out, which I think would probably be a difficult blow for her.
1: That's really depressing. I I feel like anyone would feel like that. Exactly. That's why I feel going through editing. I'm like, oh, Lucy shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have said that. And then by the end, it's like none. There's nothing left. It's a two minute episode. (laughs) The
0: end. So she continued working toward modeling and acting and was just pursuing both. But she was also waitressing on the side just to make ends meet. So I think this just shows you when they describe her as a go-getter. She's yeah. not giving up. Yeah. No. And she's willing to do whatever it takes. Like I said, she was waitressing just to make sure she could still try to make her dreams happen. So yeah, good for her. But soon she scored a role on the show My Sister Sam. And this show actually was perfect for her because it was about an older woman who had her own apartment and everything and lived on her own as a freelance photographer and her younger kid sister ends up moving in with her. So Rebecca played, of course, the teenage younger kid sister. This was a huge leap and really uncommon considering how new she was to the realm of acting. So a lot of people were really surprised that she was picked for this role, but she fit right into this role. It's like it was made for her. So to give you an idea of how this show worked, and I'm going to have to probably throw out several references because this is old enough. I don't know that you'll get these. Um, The lead of the show, so the older sister, her name was actually Pam Dauber, and she was the woman who played on Mork and Mindy. Have you ever heard of that show? No. Okay. So to put that in perspective, Mork and Mindy is where Robin Williams... Career took off, so he was the the lead in Mork and Mindy. So this is a lady that's acted with Robin Williams, and now Rebecca is acting as her younger sister. So huge, huge leap in her career. And the cool thing about this whole dynamic was that these two women played sisters, and they began to grow super close offset as well. So they ended up growing close enough that Rebecca actually moved in with Pam. And What? I know. That's cute. And so they they kind of acted like sisters and they grew close enough that people just talked about this dynamic that they had on film and it's because so much of what they were doing really wasn't even acting, which I thought that was really neat. So it was during her role on the show that she really became America's sweetheart. She ended up appearing on Seventeen Magazine, which I know you've Ooh. heard of that one. I know. That's another, a big deal. I know. Another America's Next Top Model reference. That's a big deal to win that cover. And she also began to be the face of the network. She even did coverage for a Thanksgiving parade one year for CBS. Which, no way. I know. To me, that's kind of the epitome of fame. Yeah, once you've gotten there, you've made it. Yep. So... <laughs> The amazing thing about that is even after reaching all of this success, she remained super humble and was very down to earth, which was astonishing for me considering she was still a young adult at this point.
1: Oh, for sure. I feel like most people that age, as soon as they get famous like that, it goes to your head, which why wouldn't it? I know. I'm sure it would <laughs> me
0: too. We have six <laughs> listeners and I'm like, that's six people that's who that's like us. we famous, even no. though half of them are our relatives. But Rebecca's <laughs> down to earth, so she's great. <laughs> So e- like a lot of her friends even described her as not even realizing she was famous. They said she didn't live a very lavish lifestyle. And when she would attend signings for autographs, she was just very down to earth. In fact, one time when she went to attend a signing for autographs, she was so concerned people wouldn't even recognize her. And then all these young girls were like, clamoring around her Aww, because they all knew who she was. That's adorable. Yeah. So I think that just kind of shows the type of person she was and she seemed to be a really just genuinely nice person. She loved to just stay home and hang out reading books or just spending time with her cat on the weekends. She did not do Hollywood parties. Her boyfriend would talk about how, and he was actually a director at the time, and they talked about how she just wasn't down for the big lavish lifestyle crazy parties anything like that she just wanted to be at home like snuggled up in a blanket which
1: my kind of girl I love her I, love I that. know
0: she just seems like such a genuinely awesome person so anyways it was during her role on my sister Sam that Rebecca began to get fan mail Ooh. And this oh, no. oh, added no. to the whole thrilling process for her.
1: I don't think that the word fan mail in a crime show <laughs> is ever a positive thing.
0: You might be There's right. There's only so <laughs> many ways that can go. I know. So for her, this was very exciting. It meant people really did like her. It was another, almost another step on the scale of fame. For her so she really wanted to answer all of these letters send people personal notes but her more experienced co-stars advised her not to they said you know just take the fan mail read it that's fine but don't respond to all of these people and this was really hard for Rebecca she was so worried that she would hurt her fans and she really wanted to send them something So she kind of kept pushing the issue and one of the co-stars just said fine send them like an unpersonalized signed autographed headshot and leave it at that. So that's kind of what she started doing. One of the fans writing her on a fairly regular basis was a young man named Robert John Bardo and he sent her letters telling her all about himself and also just talking about how beautiful and talented she was and Rebecca responded with a signed headshot like she'd been told and a simple phrase something like thank you for your letter it was the nicest I've received and it was at that point that he received the headshot that this lovesick teenager's infatuation with Rebecca seemed to turn into obsession dang it should have sent the picture I know And the hard part is she was just trying to be nice. I know. I don't blame her at all by any means. Just creepers be creeping. (laughs) In Bardo's mind, this response made everything feel like what he had sent her was mutual. One day while on the set shooting, she received a call from one of the security guards at the Warner Brothers studio. And the security guard told her that Bardo was here to visit her and had brought her all sorts of gifts like flowers, a large teddy bear, the works. No, that's terrifying. (laughs) So Rebecca told the guard that she didn't know who he was and he was sent away. That was it. He said later that this really agitated him because he thought for sure Rebecca would have remembered him and known who he was. And he actually tried to return a second time another day and was turned away again. Oh, crap.
1: There's nothing worse than a jaded, obsessed man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You're so funny. So, unfortunately, you've heard the phrase, one day you're in and the next day you're out. Yes. Yes. Well, unfortunately, my sister Sam was a hit its first season. But by the second season, it was competing with the facts of life. The Facts of Life. Have you heard of that? No, I've never heard oh of that. My. you have to go, you have to watch at least one episode because there's a ton of memes going around that are like, you're such a Blair. <laughs> you're such and a- you don't
1: understand it unless you've seen that don't. show. I've also never seen those memes, so I think you and I are
0: <laughs> different. I have older friends, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding, it's okay.
0: But that makes me really sad for her. Well, do me a favor and just watch one episode of The Facts of Life, but okay. The Facts of Life ended up being a huge show. So once you know a little more about it, you can probably see why it was really hard for Does them to Does it give compete- good advice
1: that show i mean the facts of life that's a pretty strong name
0: not really (laughs) i mean it's your basic show about so they give crap facts of life
1: (laughs) you can't title a show facts of life if they're not accurate (laughs) anyways continue
0: Uh, so you could see why it was hard for my sister sam to compete with this show and unfortunately they were unable to compete and in their second season they were canceled Mm. I think this was probably really hard for Rebecca and everyone else involved, too, because they went from, you know, the height of their career to just plummeting down so fast. But Rebecca rallied on, you know her, she's going to keep doing what she does. So Rebecca's success continued to steadily increase, and she ended up starring in a couple movies. And one of the movies that she starred in was actually called Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. That's a long title. I know. It's a really long Just title. From your face. <laughs> I know it
1: was a little bit of a struggle to say that. It was
0: really funny. long. And this was her first role that included a love scene. Ooh, wait. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <what>? Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> you better not edit that out. Do not I'm edit not. it. That's, Leave my Homer Simpson girl, girl in there. <laughs> so according to one Fox News article... She was also rumored to be auditioning for a lead role in a pretty big film. You may have heard of it. It's called Pretty Woman. What? I know. She was auditioning for that? Yeah. So you can see, I mean, she's slowly, like steadily, her career is just growing and growing. And she was going out for some pretty big roles. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here. I think you remember the lovesick teenager sending Rebecca love letters. Of course, Barto. Yes. He's not going to disappear. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. His so I wanted hurt. to tell you a little more about him. So Robert, Jarn- Robert John Bartow was born January 2nd, 1970. So he was three years younger than Rebecca, just to kind of put that in perspective. Most of the articles I read about him referred to him as Bardo, so I'm assuming that's a nickname he went by. That's what we're going to call him throughout this show. Bardo had five siblings, and he spent the majority of his childhood in Arizona, but he came across some turmoil along the way. And I can just tell you, having six kids in a family, because I have five siblings, it's it's a rough life, even if they're all normal and happy and (laughs) everyone sort of gets along. It's just a rough life, so... Anyways, he was reportedly abused by one of his siblings and then he was later placed in foster care and oh, he became it. a suicide risk.
1: That's
0: hard. So Bardo's family history. Oh, Bardo's family history included some mental illness and he was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And at the age of fifteen, he was temporarily hospitalized in a mental facility and And he ended up dropping out of school in ninth grade, and he began began working as a janitor for Jack in the Box.
1: Oh, that's a really heavy life for
0: a 15-year-old. I know. So very, I mean, you can see he's had a lot of turmoil along the way. So Bardo had a lot on his plate, as you can see, and he suffered from mental illness. And according to a newspaper article, Bardo would lash out on pretty much everybody on a fairly regular basis reports from neighbors said that he would hold up offensive signs when they drove past he would make messes in their yards and you know ruin their landscaping and sometimes he would scream at them as if he had no idea who they were Mm. so in an 18 month period he was actually arrested on three different occasions for charges relating to domestic violence and disorderly conduct oh dang just with random people he didn't really know well yeah, or even like neighbors, close people like that. So I think a lot of those instances actually did have to do with people that knew him. In fact, according to that same newspaper, one neighbor said that Bardo showed up at their home one evening and was screaming at them for being too loud. He reportedly said to them, if you don't shut up, I'm going to get my three fifty seven Magnum and shoot you.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: That's drastic. Right? And specific, very specific. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty escalated for like turn your music down. I, mean, I feel like
1: everybody gets a little cranky with their neighbors sometimes, but that's a little yeah,
0: far. yeah, heavy, right? So based on these charges, he was actually required to enroll in a counseling program, which records show he never enrolled mm. in. Of course, he didn't. So I don't really understand how that went unchecked. I don't know, but that's now a little he's writing Rebecca. Uh uh-huh. Bad situation. So, Rebecca wasn't even the first person that he'd become obsessed with. Bardo had actually become obsessed with another celebrity who had died in a plane crash, which is when his attention turned to Rebecca. (sighs) This is going to go poorly. So, as Rebecca's career continued to rise, Bardo became more and more obsessed with her. It was like every role she appeared in spoke directly to him. And the more her success grew, the more his fascination with her grew. So he thought that they were meant to be together and when he saw Rebecca in that love scene that I mentioned earlier, it set him off. Oh
1: shoot, yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sure it did. So you have to think he's been living in this alternate universe that they're meant to be together she's just waiting for him they're writing these letters i mean he He thinks they're in their own love movie Uh uh-huh yeah and so when he Uh saw that he felt betrayed he was just sick thinking that that she she had like cheated on him Mm -hmm. exactly Uh. in his mind she had she was supposed to be saving herself for him and they were supposed to be together so when he saw this it just it destroyed him and you can tell i think just in talking about this, how much he struggles with reality. I Yeah, I mean, he
1: has some mental illness that he's dealing with and that's seeped over into this. So,
0: yeah, that, like I said, he is
1: literally. Which is in hard for him. Obviously, that's going to be so hard to deal with, but it's also terrifying for
0: her. Yeah. And Which she doesn't even
1: know yet, but it's. Uh. Yeah,
0: I think you, you described it best. He is feeling like his lover has betrayed him and he is just feeling like he can't handle it it, yeah Mm -hmm. so in his mind he just hit the point where he feels like if he can't have her nobody should so bardo attempts to purchase a gun at a local sporting goods store and i just have to say thank goodness for this clerk because as he starts questioning bardo a bit bardo admits that he has bipolar disorder and the clerk refuses to sell him the weapon based on hearing that Mm? good Mm. job clerk thank you so bardo being frustrated he can't purchase a gun then returns home and gives money to his brother and tells his brother he just wants him to get him a gun for you know just kind of shooting it playing around that type of thing which they are out in arizona i don't know what the exact area that bardo lived in was like but if they had a lot of desert around i can see him saying like i just want to go shoot targets or whatever yeah it wouldn't be super uncommon but yeah come on brother you should know I probably know. not the best idea and that clerk
1: did his job mm-hmm. dang it so okay. at the end of the day bardo's calls-
0: brother does go and buy him a handgun and when he gives it to bardo he tells him that he needs to keep it in the safe unless he is with him at that point you know they could go shoot targets together or whatever so i think to me that says that the brother knew to some extent that there was a problem there yeah that he, he didn't was want telling him, him it make sure you don't
1: take it out only use it when i'm here yeah probably
0: if that was the case he shouldn't have left it with him i know and to me i think more than anything they probably obviously he was a suicide risk because yeah. he was hospitalized for that and so to me it just i don't know it really surprised me that they felt comfortable yeah. leaving him with a weapon but with that bardo set a plan into motion so he actually paid a private investigator approximately $300 to locate Rebecca's personal address, which the private investigator does pretty simply by just requesting it from the DMV. That's all it took. Uh, no. hmm
1: I don't like that.
0: I hope they're a little more secure nowadays. We will see. Oh, gosh. Okay. So with her address in hand, Bardo then sets out on a bus, determined to meet his alleged soulmate. So he has several items in his shopping bag and he's trying to locate the correct apartment complex. He has, of course, the signed photo that he got from Rebecca and he's showing it to anyone that's passing by on the street asking if they know where to find her. And people, I mean, you know how it is. She's near Hollywood. So people are just kind of like, don't bother me with that. They don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not getting a whole lot of response, but a bunch of people later on remembered him approaching them with this picture. So eventually, even without anyone's help, he finds the correct building and he walks to the front door. So Rebecca lived in this bigger, nice complex that obviously had several apartments within it, but the unfortunate part about her specific apartment was that the intercom was broken and she had moved in fairly recently and it hadn't been fixed yet. And on this day, Rebecca was preparing for a huge role that could change her career forever. She had set her sights on auditioning for The Daughter in Godfather Part 3. Oh. Yeah. And to put this into perspective for us, I just kind of wanted to go into some other names that were auditioning for this same role. So here are just a few of the people that had auditioned for this role. Winona Ryder, and Madonna were what? considered.
1: Dang. I know. That's a big
0: deal. So, I, yeah, I feel like we need to hear that to really show the level of stardom associated with Rebecca. So, like I said, she was pr- trying to prepare. This was a huge, huge role for her. And she was supposed to be auditioning later for the director. So, she was waiting for a courier to drop off the script so that she could start rehearsing it and run lines. And so, when she hears the doorbell of course she's thinking it's it's a courier so when she opens the door it's not the delivery service person obviously but i bet you can guess who it is bardo exactly i don't know
1: why i said his name in that accent but there we go
0: so bardo is there waiting for rebecca and he just is shocked he cannot believe he is finally meeting her face to face he is just in awe and to make things even better of course because she's getting ready to go to audition she ha- she's working on getting ready to go you know getting all beautified oh, she has she's her dress dressed- oh well I mean she has her dress laid down on the bed but she is standing there in a bathrobe which oh I think no. doesn't help Bardo by any means that is the worst means. timing ever yeah so Bardo in awe tells her that he is her biggest fan and just continues to go on and on and on we're assuming about how much he loves her She tells him thank you and then she just kind of says, you know, I'm in the middle of preparing for an audition. I'm so sorry. I don't have more time. She shakes his hand and just tells him, like, thank you so much for coming. Take care of yourself and just kind of shoos him away. So... I feel like considering the situation, she was very nice. She didn't just slam the door in his face or call security or anything. Well, yeah, this is coming from the same girl who wanted to write back every single person because she's just a sweetheart. I know. So she was really nice, but Bardo is not. Pleased with that reaction, he walks to a local diner and he just sits and reflects on the interaction that the two of them just had. And he just fumes and fumes and fumes, and he's just furious. He's furious that she didn't give him the reaction, that she didn't know who he was, that she didn't just leap into his arms and ride right off into the sunset. This was just not how their first interaction was supposed to go. He was expecting a much greater meat cute. So meat cute. Yes.
1: Have you seen the movie The Holiday?
0: Yeah, that's I where I just watched that, and that's where I learned that word. Yeah, so you want to tell anyone who doesn't know what that is?
1: The meet cute is just like the part in the movie where the two people that are supposed to fall in love meet up. So if they like bump into each other at like a coffee shop or whatever it is, yeah, it's the meet cute. Yep, it's the very first time the lovers meet. So, but yeah, he definitely had romanticized this way out of proportion. mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I feel like she was very courteous and really nice and generous considering everything that she had going on and not knowing who he was. But Bardo is furious. And so he's determined to try again. So he walks back to her house and decides to ring the bell for a second time. So Rebecca comes to the door, but when she sees Bardo, she's, she stays fairly calm, but she's getting a little more frustrated at this point so she again mentions that she has an interview she's preparing for and she told him she really doesn't have time to sit and talk to him bardo at this point simply tells her that he forgot to give her something and with that he reaches into the shopping bag he's carrying and pulls out the gun and fires one shot into her chest oh i know so neighbors that heard shots They also heard her scream, but they were unable to really do anything. And Rebecca was dead within a few minutes. So there wasn't really
1: any chance that she could have
0: made it. Mm -mm. Just where she was hit, she ended up passing away fairly quickly. Did Bardo just bolt? Good question. Bardo actually made it all the way back to Arizona by the same method he'd arrived on a bus. Oh, my gosh. Which, how does that even happen? I don't know. And want to guess how he was caught? Hmm in Arizona several police officers reported to responded to reports of a gentleman wandering on the freeway screaming kind of interfering with traffic and when they show up it's bardo, it's bardo. Okay. and bardo is basically screaming at the top of his lungs about how he killed Rebecca and he doesn't know why he did it and just is kind of in a mental break. And so they ended up scooping him up and then when they hear obviously about the news, they end up getting in touch with California.
1: And two and two together. Oh, dang it.
0: Yeah, so I just have to tell you in watching his interrogation interview, y- you will die. It's not even an interrogation. In watching his confession interview, he just he describes actually killing Rebecca and he's using hand motions. The best way I can describe it is you know how when you're talking about something really passionate that you're really passionate about like a hobby or even a movie that you've seen that's really good and you just get really worked up and you're talking fast and you're using a lot of hand motions and you even your facial expressions are maybe a little over the top. That's the best way I can describe it. He's
1: really animated. Yeah,
0: very animated. He has hand motions. He even imitates what her screams sound like.
1: Oh, that's gross.
0: Yeah, and there's no remorse, no no feeling. So it's a game to him. He's almost excited to tell this story it's to the world. bizarre. I, I mean, I can tell that he's sad that he did it because he was supposed to have her, but at the same time, there's just, there's no remorse. There's no feeling. He feels justified completely, yeah. right? Yeah, and there's just, there's, he when he's telling it, it is just matter of fact. And it was so gut-wrenching to watch because it's just, he took the life of this young girl and he just is spilling it like it's nothing. So... Anyways, in prosecuting Bardo, he ended up waiving his right to a jury in his trial, which is pretty uncommon. Yeah, it's actually pretty risky because instead of having several people you're leaving your fate up to, you're basically just leaving it up to the judge. Oof. And the reason he did that was because they exchanged it for taking the death penalty off the table. Oh, Okay. So I'm going to throw some big names out as part of this trial. Some of them I think you'll know, others I'll give you some references. But of course, I mean, this is a Hollywood case, so we're coming into some big names. So Bardo's defense team decides to seek the insanity plea, and as an expert, they bring on Dr. Park Elliott Dietz. And I wouldn't expect you to know who he's, you know, been a witness for before, but I'm going to just tell you a couple of the cases he's been involved with. So the first one was John Hinckley Jr., which was the man who attempted to assassinate President Reagan, the Unabomber. And there were several others, but the last I'm going to throw out on here is Jeffrey Dahmer.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he was involved with lots of trials. So he's for a big killers. deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the prosecutor on this case was Marcia Clark. Ooh. Sound familiar? OJ Simpson lady. But this was probably before, right? Mm hmm. So okay. it was actually earlier in Marcia Clark's. Um, career. And one thing that was heartbreaking for me when it was talking about this was that Marcia said when she had to meet with Rebecca's parents for the first time, she was pregnant. And she was really, she said it was just really hard knowing that she's talking to them about their daughter being taken out of the world when she's just getting Ready to like welcome a young child into mm-hmm. this world, and she that said would that put was a heartbreaking. Perspective
1: on it, yeah, mm-hmm. for
0: sure. So, anyway, she ended up being the prosecutor. So you can see there are some big names as part of this trial. Yeah, they pulled all the strings to get this guy. Mm-hmm. Another weird part of the trial was that a song was actually pulled into part of it. So counsel for Bardo claimed that the song called "Exit" by U two that this- put him into the state in which he performed this murder.
1: what What?
0: yeah and I had I had actually never heard this song they do play it as part of the trial and I mean from what I could tell a few of the lyrics did talk about holding a handgun but I I don't think it gives anyone the excuse to go out and murder anyone people talk about a lot of horrible Uh have you listened to rap (laughs) like there's some bad stuff
1: in those I don't think it gives anybody rights or reason to go out and do that you can't claim that
0: but again so as you watch clips of trial typically bardo is head down totally still almost not even present very i mean i truly don't even it's like he doesn't even know he's on trial for murder but when they play this song it is the oddest thing and whether it's Whether it's true, whether it's him acting, I have no clue, but it's just bizarre because he's head down this whole trial, but when they play this song, he starts drumming, he's moving, he's almost like dancing along in his seat and he's like mouthing the words. You know how you would picture like a teenager with pencils, like drumming on his desk, like he's got headphones on. That's how Bardo is acting in in the middle of court. Yeah. Cool. and what's sad is that you two ended up actually pulling this song and they didn't perform it for years because of that because of this oh. because it was associated with this murder Dang. on october 29th 1991 bardo was convicted of first degree murder with an additional charge of special circumstance of lying in wait meaning that he like had prepared the whole thing beforehand okay Mm -hmm, From what I can tell. So that December, he was actually sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Hmm. I'm glad. I mean... I know, it definitely doesn't bring justice, but I at least feel like there's some sort of resolution. It feels like, I at least feel good that he doesn't have the possibility of parole because based on his infatuation with the actor or the celebrity before Rebecca and then Rebecca... He was a repeat offender. It wasn't
1: going to stop. Did they, I mean, they looked into his insanity and everything, right? So, and he was cleared, it was all fine.
0: So they did establish that he does have bipolar disorder and okay. obviously that that probably played a part but I mean they still said that he should know you know he should have known not to kill somebody right he was, was he mentally mental capable disorder, of but. standing trial all of that Ugh. yeah so I wanted to take a moment to talk about stalking because this is actually more common than you'd think Rebecca wasn't the first star to be stalked and she certainly wasn't the last Taylor Swift Keanu Reeves and Kendall Jenner, Sandra Bullock. These are all stars who have dealt with obsessive fans who have taken their infatuation to a criminal level.
1: Oh, girl, I know all about the Taylor I'm Swift I'm sure ones. you do. Fun <laughs> fact, everybody. I love Taylor Swift.
0: Love her. I mean, healthy and, obsession yeah, level, healthy. but there's an clear. obsession there. No, I
1: love Taylor Swift. Aaron not the biggest fan. I don't mind her. No, she's all right. She likes her. She just doesn't like her.
0: To the level that Lucy
1: likes her. So much so that
0: Erin pranked
1: me. She cut out a bunch of pictures of Taylor Swift one time and put it all over my stuff at work and... On the sriracha. On my sriracha sauce in the (laughs) fridge even. So anyways, but yeah, it was a pretty big deal when she had her stalkers and Mm -hmm. it was terrifying.
0: Yeah. And I think... I don't know. It's just, it's so sad that that's something that just comes with the territory and that that's something they have to worry about once they rise to a certain level. So Rebecca ended up touching so many lives while she was here for her short 21 years on earth. And just to kind of reiterate, she was 21 at the time of her death and Bardo was only 19 at the time that he killed her. Oh, they're so little. I know. And co-stars, family members, and friends all rallied for change in her name. They just felt like... This should not have ever been something that even happened to her. They were frustrated that Bardo was able to access all of the information that he did. Yeah, he did it in what,
1: like a matter of days. That's insane. Oh yeah, let me go to the DMV and 300 get these.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. three hundred an address. That's ridiculous. So they did, I mean, they just started doing rallies. Her co-star from my sister, Sam, if you'll remember that older sister, Mm -hmm. she did several interviews on TV, just rallying for change on Rebecca's behalf. And it was because of this big push that the first anti-stalking law was established. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think stalking still has a long way to go. I think a lot of times it's not taken as seriously as it should be but it was at least a step in the right direction. So the first anti-stalking law was established, and this meant that the DMV would now be restricted from providing confidential information. So hopefully that this would
1: That seems happen. like a duh duh, duh yeah. moment for the DMV. I'm sorry, but why was that not a thing before?
0: I know. It's unfortunate that they had to have this big of a push and such a tragedy to send waves to make I that change. I thought that
1: had always been a thing. That's a really unsettling Oh, okay. It is. It's terrifying. I'm glad they and finally made the steps, but...
0: That's why I was watching an interview of one of these people that was making a push for it, and they said, you could cut somebody off, essentially. You could cut somebody off. They could basically get your driver's license or your driver's plate number, and they could just go to the DMV and be like, hey, I'm pissed off at this person. Give me their information. They could show up at your house. What? Oh yeah, it's gosh. not even... And I think that's the thing. This is not even just for... I mean, yes, definitely protect celebrities. But this is for everyday for people. Everyone. You could say that about anybody th- and just get away with it. Oh exactly, my gosh. Anyone could show up and just get your information, which is terrifying. So it, it really did make a good push for change. And a lot has come from it. Over the years, anti-stalking law has continued to change. And like I said, I think it still has a ways to go but it's at least headed the right direction. So this was a very tragic situation, but I feel like at least in Rebecca's legacy, many people, including some of Hollywood's biggest stars, as well as everyday people, are better protected by having their information protected.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, I do see why it's harder for stalking charges to be made just because they haven't done anything yet, technically speaking, besides harassing someone. But it's really horrible that a law couldn't be made until, you know, the extreme of the extremes happened where she was killed. So I'm sad that her life had to end just to make a lot better for people to be safe. That's hard.
0: I know. And right at the peak of her career, too. Which oh, she had so, so much
1: potential. And she was clearly just a sweet, sweet girl, mm-hmm. but also who was really dedicated and just an awesome light to the world. So, really, really tragic story.
0: I agree. It makes me sad for her two parents. But I am glad that, like we said, that happening really instilled some change. And I think it shows that her parents, I mean, you can see where she gets that go getter mentality. Oh, for sure. I think her parents have really pushed to improve things in our system. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Sad story.
0: So, Bardo. Bardo. Yeah. Darn you, Bardo. Fan mail. Never yes, a good. So word. don't send us any fan mail. <laughs> we love you. Love us from a distance.
1: And we'll love you from a distance. <laughs> we should love everyone from a distance right now, yes. anyways. Yeah. So- true story. Bye. <laughs>
0: So, with that, we're going to transition into the carbs conclusions segment of our show. Yes. It's carbs corner. So, we're really excited. We've been munching on Bella's Chips and Salsa. And again, they are located in Far West. And one thing I love about Bella's is that they have, what would you say, like, eight different types of salsa, 10 different types of, t- of salsa. I feel like they have quite a few, yeah. Yeah, so you sit down at your table and they will give you, you know, the the standard, just regular salsa, but then you can request all these other types of salsa to try, which is really awesome. They have, like, all sorts of, like, sweet salsas, really hot salsas, all sorts of different ones. I love so, it. They yeah. have, like, a
1: green one that's really good. Mm-hmm. But I will be honest, the basic... Red salsa. Oh, it's so good. I love tomato y flavors and it kills it with
0: that. I think it's so good. And, (laughs) Erin, I know that it's. I like it. I will say it's not my favorite salsa from any restaurant because it is, it's more, it has a lot of tomato flavor. But it's really, it's still totally addicting and I ate the entire container. So, that's And if you can try the other
1: salsas, they're also fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, and their chips are just really, really good. I consider myself a tortilla chip connoisseur and theirs are pretty (laughs) high up there. Plus besides their chips and salsa, they also have some other really amazing food that you should go check out. If you're in the Ogden area and go give them some local support.
0: Yeah, and I love that Lucy mentioned earlier that you can just drive through and get chips and salsa because or any of their they, food but. they give you this huge container of salsa and then they actually fill like a grocery bag with chips. So they do not skimp
1: by no, any No, you're not getting like a tiny little order. Yeah. It's a ton and you can feed a family of 10 or a family of Lucy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So go get yourself some chips and salsa. It's pretty yummy. It's amazing.
1: Highly recommend. And their other food is really good too. They've got some amazing enchiladas and stuff.
0: And the owners
1: there are just really nice. I don't know if you've ever met him. But mm, I haven't. I worked at a bank at one point that's like right across from them. And he would come in and give us change all the time like well he came in to get quarters and things like that but he would always bring us chips and salsa
0: oh that's so nice i know okay see that's why you should support them because they're just cool people like that
1: so good and if you don't that's want awesome. chips and salsa yet i'm surprised there's something wrong with so you there's the salty goodness all we'll the salty always goodness. Eat chips and salsa
0: yeah so, that wraps up our episode. Don't forget, we really need your support. And I will i will say we need it because we do. So, make sure that you're following us on all of our social media platforms. And then also, like Lucy mentioned, don't forget to subscribe to our episodes because you want to hear all of them. So, make sure you subscribe. And... Also, if you have an awesome place for us to try the food from, or if you have a really cool case you'd like us to cover, make sure to check out our website and send in a form for that because we would love to cover a place or a case that you have heard of. And with that, remember to fight crime and eat carbs.